What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek Podcast. Today, we have Blake Hutchison. He's the CEO of Flippa.com, F L I. PPA.com. It is the world's largest marketplace to buy and sell online businesses. He leads the team as they build out a product empowering exit and ownership for business owners and entrepreneurs globally. Prior to running Flippa, Blake's held uh, leadership roles across multiple fast growth tech businesses across e-commerce and SaaS. How's it going, bud? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So. You know, take us back, man. I mean, you've done your resumes very impressive. Take us back to what did you get that entrepreneurial bug? Did you work for someone? How? What, give us a little bit of a, a backstory. Yeah, so my first ever job was uh, with a company called Lonely Planet, and Lonely Planet was a travel guidebook publisher producing um, over six hundred different titles the titles were essentially destination guidebooks you know new york city scottsdale tokyo japan italy and the rest so it was the leading guidebook publisher uh globally and i have them to thank for giving my giving me access to some world-class entrepreneurs and 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 i suppose that entrepreneurial bug i was working in san francisco technically i was based in west oakland uh but i was living in san francisco and I was licensing our travel content. So we had digitized the content and I was licensing it to portals like Yahoo Travel, Expedia, um, American Express. And then we started licensing it uh, to mobile phone companies um, and ultimately, you know, got to sit around the room as the, you know, makers of the iPhone, Apple, uh, started to talk to publishers about leveraging the new iPhone to build apps. And so as a function of that really exciting and dynamic role, you get to meet some really f- smart people doing really interesting things. And so the mind starts to wander. That's probably the beginnings, I think. Yeah. And well, you, I, I can't imagine because you think about that's not my suit. I, I'm not the wanderer, the, the creative part. And I wish I was because you think of, you know, people that create flip of people that create all these things and you're like going, Man, that uh, that type side of it, the creative side, I, I'm very good at operations. I'm very good at at running things and finding things. I can't create, a, you know, a rock if I had to. Um, so it's 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 so cool that you found that niche and your unique ability to be able to do that. So fast forward to Flippa. What is yeah, so Flippa? Yeah, thank you. I mean, Flippa's. 
at its heart, um, an entrepreneur's marketplace, actually. Um, it's the number one marketplace to buy and sell digital assets and online businesses. So let's just simplify that a little bit and give you a couple of examples. So we had a blogger uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, she had a blog which was about crochet. And that blog um, had been running for 13 years. Uh, she was in her mid-60s, if I remember correctly. She was looking to sell that blog to somebody else who had an equal passion for crochet, but also understood the monetization aspect of that blog. And she sold that for $90,000 within 48 hours of listing it on our platform. Um, on the flip side, that's you know that's a lower priced asset. So it's $90,000. On the flip side, we've had app publishers out of Singapore sell their app portfolio for in excess of $30 million on the platform. So you've got small, you've got big. It doesn't really matter for us. We are price agnostic. We're a marketplace. We have buyers who are both private individuals like maybe you or I, as well as investors who are clearly coming in with bigger wallets and different strategic needs. But regardless, the marketplace is kind of there to um, make the make the concept of an exit available for everyone and democratize business ownership. And the concentration is, you know, this is not somewhere that you can, the physical asset type companies, it's more of uh, website e-commerce. Is that correct? Yes, it's digital. So long as it can sit on a platform or a domain, mm -hmm. uh, you can sell it on Flipper. So, a platform would be something like the iOS or Android store, of course, all of those apps that are sitting on your iPhone, um, or it could be, you know, a a Shopify e-commerce store. So it's digital only, Mike, and and I think that that's mm -hmm. probably um, that helps us because it enables us to to market ourselves in a certain way, but it also um, helps out with our strategy because we plug into all of the data sources. So we plug into Zero, QuickBooks Online, Amazon, um, Google Analytics, AdMob. The list goes on, mm -hmm. making it really easy for business owners to kind of expose their financial performance um, and celebrate all of the successes they've had using that data. And on the flip side, it helps out buyers making informed decisions. So we pride ourselves on on having a very, very strict focus on digital only. Mm -hmm. Now, you have all these listeners out there. It's like, oh, I have a blog. I have this. What would you say to the, the our listeners? At what point would a something like a blog be marketable? Does it need links? Does it need guest links? You know, guest. What What does it take? Yeah, I guess the simplest answer to that is age, revenue, and traffic. Mm. So let's just work through that very quickly. It's highly unlikely unless for whatever reason you have amassed substantial traffic that a buyer would be interested in something which is not, not older than two years or more. And the reason being is you kind of need to establish a web footprint. And about 24 months, um, in about 24 months, you kind of you can establish that web footprint. 
You can build a brand around a particular niche or category. You can build some defensibility around your SEO, search engine optimization. Uh, you can do some partnerships where you've got multiple links in and out, um, inbound and outbound links in such a way that you're protecting that footprint. So age is a really important piece. And so people shouldn't just start spin up something and then suddenly sell it on Flipper. That's not the way the game works, um, despite the name, <laughs> despite the brand name. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, revenue, you know, I think you're in the hotels game, Mike. Uh, at the end of the day, this is a business, whether it's small or not. And so that blog that needs to, that wants to exit needs to have some traction and traction is best presented in the form of uh, financial data. So is it, um, how much money is it making? Now, typically, you know, once you're sort of making over $25,000, you'll have an asset which is of interest to someone. Mm. Clearly that's a certain type of buyer versus an institutional buyer, which is looking for something far bigger. Um, But yes, once you've got some stable, consistent income, be it coming in from advertising or affiliate revenue streams, um, or any other for that matter, but we're talking about blogs for the moment, uh, then yes, $25,000 would be a really good milestone for a blogger to have before they were sitting on an asset of some value to somebody else. Uh, and then finally, you know, traffic, as I said. So blogging is is really exciting and interesting still because, you know, clearly there's the challenges of AI now, but at the end of the day, so long as you've got the ability to attract a user to your site and do that consistently over a long period of time, proving that you have good quality content that people want to consume, uh, that will be reflected in your traffic data and that will uh, be looked upon favorably by a potential acquirer. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, given your name, as soon as I hear Flippa, you know, I'm in real estate, so I'm thinking of the fix and flips and all that sort of stuff. Do people do that with e-commerce and and businesses? Are they do they create it, set it up, wait, and they're they're just kind of churning them out? They know how to do it, how to you know the whole the puzzle pieces, and then once it gets, they just start flipping them. Yeah, no, like not really. It does happen. I would agree. It is a use case. Mm. I would say what is more common is buy, fix, and hold. Mm. Um, and so. I buy an e-commerce business from someone who has put their blood, sweat, and tears into it over the last five years. At that point in time, that person's waving the white flag. There's certain things they're really good at and there's certain things they're not so good at. So I buy that asset for argument's sake. Let's say I buy it for $500,000 and I've paid a two times multiple on that. Mm-hmm. So for argument's sake, that business is doing $250,000. I've acquired it for two times I'm a savvy operator. I recognize that that e-commerce asset, while good, has some major inefficiencies that I can assist with. Mm-hmm. And so I do that. And now I've got a better quality business than the one I acquired. And I'd say that's a more common use case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so Flipper, someone wants to get into this business they want to learn how to you know get the business put it on flippa what are some of the other services or handholding that you do to help the business owner so i think there's there's really three things um the first thing is 
the benefit of Flipper is our access. So if you are a business owner looking to exit, we have the world's largest number of buyers and we all organize the buyers and programmatically using AI, we match them up to relevant businesses based on their latent and hidden intent. It's actually a relatively complex um, proprietary algorithm that we've built here. So you're getting access. And, and that makes the process really straightforward because ultimately you want to know what the potential buy side base looks like for your business. Um, and we have them and we organize them and we match them. Mm. The second thing is services to get the deal done. And so we have embedded an embedded deal room. And in that deal room, you can review the buyer profiles you can shortlist buyers, you can favorite buyers, you can obviously communicate, negotiate. The buyers themselves can um, issue a letter of intent. Uh, they can use our integrated financing partners to, to get access to financing in the event that they needed that, in the event that they weren't a cash buyer. They can set up deal structuring. They can use our integrated payments services, um, including our connections to escrow.com and other trust accounts. So yeah. that to end piece is is critical to to the process that we built. So, you know that's interesting. I you know at first I thought okay, flip is this is just a marketplace for someone that wants to sell something, but you also have that buyer side, yes. where you walk them in, you um, get off market deals, you have an advisory team, some tailored services. So yeah. let's talk about okay. I, I may not know what to buy. I have an idea talk about on that side if i'm interested in doing a side hustle and buy something yeah that's a really important point um i mean i i would say there's really two things one you need to establish it's a little, a little bit like buying your first home scott you you need to kind of establish michael sorry you need to establish what your budget is Mm -hmm. um, and then to some extent we always encourage people to discount that so if you've got a hundred thousand dollars to spend we would always say to people, well, let's go and have a look at something for $75,000 so that you've got $25,000 left over for, for some effort and energy around building the business out. So first thing is to establish a budget. Second thing is to establish a business model where you think you have a skill set that can complement the needs of that business model. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know anything about e-commerce, don't get into e-commerce. However, if you have worked in retail and you understand good quality merchandising, you're a really good buyer, you can negotiate with suppliers, maybe you even have supplier relationships already, then to some extent you can take that skill set and then find others around you, be it actual stuff on the books or through a platform like Upwork or Fiverr Pro to complement some of those skill sets you might not have to get a, a more 360 degree view of, of the um the skill set that you need. Mm -hmm. um, we encourage people to go after a category that they love. And the reason being is you and I both know that running businesses and building businesses is hard. Mm -hmm. So some people get caught up in the shiny bright lights of the performance metrics. And that's great. That's really critical, obviously. But inevitably, the performance metrics are important for that buying journey you're on they can go south very quickly 
Mm-hmm. If one, you don't have the skill set, which we already spoke about, but two, you don't have the passion and the energy to put into this business over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So they're probably the three tips. Um, we have a podcast called The Exit, and it's about buyers and sellers who have done this. And they'll give you some really, really good tips of what the process looks like, how they undertook the process, um, and some of the, in- the intricacies in that. Is there something that you can do in e-commerce? Because, you know, something you said, well, make sure it's something that you love or something that you like. Well, there's a fine line between, I really love this, but it's not going to make that much money. Therefore, it becomes a hobby, you know, depending on what it is. So how important or can you do some type of a market research or market analysis on, Mm -hmm. you know, for instance, I had a buddy that absolutely loved high-end car parts. He started a little e-commerce and then realized the mega monsters that he was going up against, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. then it, it lasted a year or two. Um, so what kind of analysis can you do? So that's a really important point, but I will put my hand up and admit that we don't do a good job of providing the research around the industry. What we do a good job of doing is providing benchmarks and comps. Mm -hmm. So we will show you how the asset is uh, performing in its industry and its business model type against all of the other assets that we have seen on our platform. And so that helps people make an informed decision as to whether the refund rate is too high, um, perhaps the average order value is higher than the competition, uh, perhaps its traffic base and its back backlinking base is is lower or higher. So we'll provide you those comps. Mm-hmm. But you know, Mike, I think that what you've just talked about there is really critical, mm-hmm. and we have a plan to invest in that. But we don't have the the industry research built into the platform today. And and I would I'll put my hand up and say we would like to do that. Mm. There you go. That'll be your next your next thing to do. Um, Cause I just know how important that is. You know, if I build a hotel, um, can the market even sustain it? What kind, how many rooms, how many, you know, this goes on and on and on. Um, so talk about, uh, you said you've written some books. And no, I, I've written some books, but I, um, I certainly have some favorite books I can talk to you. Okay. About. So talk some that, feeds along with what this is and, and how the mindset of an entrepreneur, a lot of these people just been in tech, they've had their jobs and now it's like, okay, I think I can do this. Well, can they? So I think that I will talk about those books in a minute, but I, mm-hmm. I think that building a business today is easier to get started and arguably harder to scale. And so that's that's a bit complex, isn't it? But mm-hmm. the number of platforms out there right now that enable me for a very small amount of money to launch mm-hmm. uh, means that there's more businesses starting than ever before. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is, of course, that it's actually more competitive than ever before. And as a function of that, it's actually a lot harder to grow a business and scale it to 
what would be considered above a small business definition. Mm-hmm. But small businesses are great. Small businesses are the, are the lifeblood of the American economy. Mm-hmm. And you can hear my thick Australian accent. That's certainly the case here in Australia as well. Um, so I would encourage people to kind of, I'm not saying put a ceiling on your capability. That's not what I'm suggesting. But be be reasonable about what you're trying to achieve. And mm-hmm. you and I both love side hustlers and we love mm-hmm. people who create uh, side projects. So that's a really good place to start your thinking from. Can I actually build a side project or a side hustle? Mm-hmm. And can you target $100,000 in revenue um, in the next whatever? 24 months, 36 months. And so start with, again, not encouraging people to put a ceiling on their capability or their ambitions, but start with an achievable goal because um, I think that that's that's the journey that a lot of our customers have gone on really well and they tend to do better off than those people who are striving for something or striving for greatness, don't quite get there. They may have given away a part of their company and then when they come and sell it on Flipper, um, they're left with cents in the dollar because their investors take it off the table instead. So it's more about just balancing out what is the potential for a big business versus the quality of a small business. So those books, I mean, my two favorite books, which I've gone back to the well on a couple of times, um, one is Black Box Thinking. And, you know, we're all familiar with the Black Box concept, Um as spawned by the aviation industry. Mm-hmm. And it's very much about learning from your mistakes. And so if you have a feedback loop and you reflect on your mistakes and you analyze the reason why something happened, it's mm-hmm. far more likely that you don't make that same mistake again. You put in place the processes, the procedures, and the um, workflows that ensure that and the protections, I should say, that can ensure that those mistakes don't happen again. And the worst businesses are those that keep making the same mistake. It's wonderful to keep making different mistakes because then your learning process speeds up, but the same mistake you would never encourage. And that book does a really good job of talking to you about, one, that that process of learning, but secondly, the industries that do that really well and the industries that do that very poorly. The aviation industry does that very, very well. The medical industry does that very, very poorly. Um, so have a good look at that book because I learned a lot from that. Um, and it's actually made me think differently about making mistakes. Hmm. So I hopefully hopefully some people can get something out of that. And then the other thing I really like is the hard things about uh, the hard thing about hard things, which you know you can kind of guess what it's about really. but um, it is about, figuring out a pathway to growth during the hardest moments and hardest times of a business's journey. And Mm. owning hotels during COVID or hotels. during. (laughs) So it's more about wartime leadership versus Mm. peacetime leadership. It's more about figuring out um, obstacles in a business's growth journey um, versus celebrating all the growth journeys and, and I got a lot out of that because there's just so many good lessons broken down into simple tips and actual examples from when um, uh, Horowitz was was running a business himself. So 
take a look at those two books and, and hopefully you can get some wisdom from them. Sounds great. Yeah. And I think another thing when people have these small businesses, they do too much on themselves. Number one, they say, okay, I can't afford anyone, but at what point do you have to have someone in order to grow? You have to know what your unique ability is and then delegate. And at some point say, you know what, if I need to grow or have to grow or want to grow, the importance of actually of say, okay, now is time that I need to get help. Um, what yeah. is your thoughts yeah. on, and I'm sure you did the same thing when you started out. Yeah. So I've never been great at delegating and I've always wanted to do more because I believed it was the right thing to do for the business and the individual that was working with me. I'll help you more. Um, when in fact you learn pretty quickly, don't you, that people are extraordinarily capable. Um, and in many cases, you should just leave them to do the very best they can, which mm -hmm. ends up being more often than not a very, very good result. Mm -hmm. But I will say that, you know, people love talking to someone who's got experience doing what they're trying to do. And I experienced this only recently when I I went to visit our team in Austin, Texas, and I had one-on-ones with every single staff member in that um, in that building. Uh, and I said, what is one thing that you need help with right now? Just give me one thing. And they were all vast and varied in nature. But inevitably, having done so many different things in my career and lived through so many different um, business experiences, you're able to add context to those issues and you're often able to help people who are earlier on in their journey find a, a pathway through a challenge. Or sometimes it's not a challenge and just an opportunity to do something just a little bit different that may have a different result. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yes, delegation is really important, but also imposing yourself on a situation for the betterment of others, I think is a really, really um, often missed leadership quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, and it, it is. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on, Blake. It's It's been really enlightening. Something that you didn't even know existed, you know, a company like Flippa. And for me, and I think the listeners just to learn from your vast experience is just absolutely wonderful. Um, in case people want to reach out to you, where can you be found? LinkedIn? Yeah, know, LinkedIn's uh, my my, uh, my chosen platform, but um, uh, I hope you don't mind, Michael. I'll, I'll give mm -hmm. people my email. You can, you can get me at blake at flipper.com if, if people need um, some advice about their small business uh, or they're looking to understand the exit process. Just, mm -hmm. just get me directly. Say that you heard me um, speaking to you, Mike, and, and I'll help you out. Absolutely. And everybody, again, it's flippa.com, F-L-I-P-P-A. If all of you have that side hustle and you're wondering, it's like, at what point can you sell it? Do you want to sell it? Reach out to flippa.com and look through their services. I really appreciate it, Blake. And uh, thank you for coming on the Richard and Geek podcast. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show, 
and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichardgeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.